Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicNPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest today is Bill Colton, founder and president of Global Telesourcing, LLC, a leading provider of inbound and call center services for the U.S. Hispanic market. Prior to founding Global Telesourcing, Bill was the Latin America Managing Director for Optima Direct, then one of the world's largest direct marketing agencies focused on call center services. After Optima Direct was sold to Omnicom Group's Rap Collins Worldwide, Bill spent three years helping affiliated advertising and direct response agencies in 10 Latin American countries. Bill, welcome. Good morning. Tell us a little bit about call centers. Well, call centers are basically outsourced providers. Typically, they're outsourced providers of customer support, of sales support, of uh, technical support for major companies that need to provide services to their customers but don't necessarily want to manage the headaches and the technology infrastructure investment associated with having uh, major in-house operations. Who would be the ideal candidate for a call center? Uh, Just about... um, all major companies and most minor companies have chosen to outsource at least part of this function. Um, so all of the major banks, Citibank and Bank of America, um, al- along with um, with companies that provide technology services, computer manufacturers, um, along with uh, sales environments, there's virtually no company uh, in, the, in the country that has not chosen to outsource some or all of their call center um, capabilities. So would small businesses also benefit and have access to these services? Yeah, one of the benefits for smaller companies in terms of uh, utilizing outsourced call centers is that they have the ability to provide uh, very high-level customer care and technical support and customer support um, without having to make a major infrastructure investment in technology that would allow them or require them to keep this kind of function in-house. Um, it's also very difficult. One of the most complicated parts of running call centers uh, is the HR, the human resources aspect of it. And for small companies, it's, uh, it's an unnecessary challenge um, to constantly be dealing with staffing well-qualified, capable uh, employees to handle inbound customer care and sales-related uh, calls. What kind of resource requirements, meaning personnel and budget requirements, are the starting point for a company in order to take advantage of these outside services? Um, it's, it's virtually nothing. Typically, uh, if, if a company chooses to outsource rather than handle in-house um, a customer service operation, um, the pricing model typically is some kind of nominal setup fee um, which covers the cost of training and developing customized scripting and making sure that the agents uh, are really experts in the specific product line or company uh, information that is hiring the call center. Um, with the exception of that one-time non-recurring setup fee, um, typically the cost is simply a direct function of the number of people that are dedicated to answering calls on behalf of that client. Um, the pricing model typically comes in kind of two and a half flavors. Um, There's what's called a shared environment, which means that a specific client is paying per specific minute that an agent 
is answering calls for that particular company. The benefit of that is that a company is only paying for the actual time that a caller is um, is handling calls related to their company. The downside of that is that because it's in a shared environment, it means that the agent, that the call center agent, may be handling calls for multiple companies simultaneously. So there are some economic benefits to that, but in terms of becoming a true expert in a specific product line, um, most clients prefer to move into what's called a dedicated environment, which means that specific call center agents are exclusively focused um, on one particular product. And that allows those, those agents to basically be virtual employees of that company in the sense that they are very well trained on the product. They understand policies and the nuances. They understand competitive landscapes in terms of uh, what products other call, uh, callers might be considering. Um, and they really become experts on a long-term basis uh, on a specific product, which is kind of the benefit of, of having an in-house operation, but without some of the difficulties that associate with that. Now, did I hear you say there were two and a half? Yeah, the half is a, is a fusion of the two. That's a good point, Elena. The, um, the, the fusion of the two is the option to have a handful of dedicated employees, but with the understanding that if there are more calls than there are dedicated employees, that those calls will move into what's referred to as an overflow environment. So if a, um, if a, if a computer manufacturer has 20 telephone calls, uh, sorry, 20 telephone agents to handle inbound sales calls, but 21 calls come in, Rather than, than put that additional caller into a queue or to give them a busy signal, we would roll that call into a, into a shared group of agents that may not have the depth or breadth of knowledge um, that those 20 dedicated agents do have. But at a minimum, they can capture the name and address of the inbound caller, answer some preliminary and basic questions, and then either transfer the call to a dedicated agent when that agent becomes available or to have that dedicated agent return the telephone call um, when that when the uh, queue has died down. What examples can you share with us of situations where call centers would apply? When would a company, small, medium, or large, when would they want to look at the call center option? Well, typically, um, any any um, company that has interaction with the end consumer um, looks at really has to address the call center component of the business. You know, business to bit, companies that focus on business-to-business business operations also use call centers, but in a slightly different, uh, in a different context. We have some clients um, that are, for example, a business software company, and the level of representative that we have associating with other businesses um, are highly specialized, highly trained employees. Um, and that, too, exists in a, in a consumer model, but because the number of calls generated by end consumers is so, so much larger typically than what is generated by, uh, by businesses. Typically, any, custo- any company that is uh, selling product or providing services to an end customer um, has to address a, a call center need. Um, whether they do it in-house or they outsource it is uh, the subject of discussion. But, you know, again, virtually all companies, any product that you see in 800 number four, that's routing to a call center somewhere. What, if any, specific characteristics do you notice in relation to Hispanic audiences and Hispanic markets in the United States? Well, what's interesting from a Hispanic standpoint,
clarify by saying that even though we have background in, in general market uh, and Hispanic market um, call center services, our business is really exclusively dedicated to providing uh, Spanish and bilingual inbound and outbound sales and customer service programs for companies that are targeting or reaching out to the U.S. Hispanic market. So we've really built our business around the growth in the U.S. Hispanic market by providing uh, high-end service to U.S. companies that are finally reaching out to the Hispanic market. What we've seen in, in with regard to the U.S. Hispanic market is a very, very slow migration um, from major companies uh, providing Spanish language support. Obviously, there are many people in the U.S. Hispanic community who are very comfortable speaking English, but there are 28 million, I think was the most recent estimate, people who prefer to speak Spanish. And U.S.-based companies have been very reticent for the most part to make the investment in terms of printing up Spanish-language materials, of really addressing the, the market need of, of the Hispanic market. I mean, an interesting bit of trivia is that there are more people in the U.S who prefer speaking Spanish than there are Canadians in Canada. So there are more Spanish speakers in the U.S. than the entire population of Canada. So you have all of these companies that, of course, are in the Canadian market and are at least passively in the U.S. Hispanic market, but a lot have resisted investment into being able to answer calls, for example, in Spanish. That said, the companies that have made that early investment are establishing a first-mover status with a new community that is establishing extreme customer loyalty and higher lifetime value. So the companies that do it generally, you know, haven't haven't regretted it, but a lot of them have have been uh, sort of dragged kicking and screaming into addressing that that market need. Are you providing services for Spanish only or bilingual? We um, we do both. Typically, on the inbound call center side, and the inbound is defined. Uh, would be a call that comes into us. Somebody dials a toll-free number in the U.S. and it routes to, to one of our call centers. Typically, we provide monolingual services, either English or Spanish, um, because if somebody has the opportunity, if somebody is responding, for example, to a Spanish television ad um, and there's a telephone number on the screen that is specifically promoted on Spanish television, it's fairly safe to assume that that person prefers to speak Spanish. Last year, we took slightly in excess of 2 million calls driven by Spanish-language direct response television. Of those 2 million calls, less than one-third of 1% preferred to speak English. So 99.7% of inbound calls generated by, by Spanish media uh, resulted in Spanish preference callers. That is pretty intuitive. I mean, if somebody is is seeing an ad in Spanish, chances are they're watching that ad in Spanish because it's their preferred language. So most of our inbound calls, we find that by having somebody who is perfectly fluent and perfectly native in Spanish, we specifically use call centers outside the U.S., um, and I'll address that in a moment, but by getting native Spanish speakers, um, we're able to deliver higher levels of customer service and higher levels of sales than 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 a bilingual inbound environment. Now that said, we also do outbound sales calls for major, major, you know, Fortune 50 U.S. companies. When we do outbound telemarketing calls, we basically have to use a bilingual agent because, you know, inevitably, 
you will make a call in Spanish and the person will prefer to speak English or vice versa. And with the exception of having a long history with a specific customer where a credit card company or a telephone company has specific indicators as to whether or not that client prefers to speak in English or Spanish, with the exception of that kind of hard information, um, you basically have to use bilingual reps to make outbound calls. What percentage of that outbound call environment would you say is in English and what percentage in Spanish? It's, it's probably, um, it, it's, it's largely a function of the quality of the list that we're calling and the relationship that, um, that that company has with specific people. I would, I would say that probably 65% of the calls are in span, end up being in Spanish, but 35% is too high a number to not have somebody that's perfectly bilingual making that call. And there's no, you know, just because somebody's last name is, is Spanish sounding, just because somebody's last name is Rodriguez doesn't, you know, is no indicator in today's world that that is a Spanish preferred household. They might be third generation uh, Mexican American who, you know, speaks fluent English, but, you know, barely speaks Spanish. And we see that all the time. In terms of inbound calls, you mentioned that the vast majority are in Spanish. Do you get English calls in response to English language campaigns targeting Hispanics, or is that something that you don't work with? Yeah, we, we don't focus on that uh, a lot. Our, again, you know, our mission is to sort of be a big fish in a small pond. We saw that the Spanish-speaking population in the U.S. was being underserved in terms of sales, customer service, technical support, uh, and general inbound and outbound call center services, and that's the niche that we moved into. There is a huge amount of competition both in the U.S. and around the world going after the general market English language call center world, and and that's just a uh, that's a that's a market segment that, with some exception, we've chosen not to enter into. So, so I can't give you a lot of specific information as to the U.S. Hispanic market making telephone calls into general English toll-free numbers because they would in no way be differentiated uh, from the population at large. Your focus then is on Spanish-speaking Hispanics in the U.S.? Correct, Spanish and and bilingual. So we will make outbound bilingual calls, but typically selling Hispanic product or Hispanic-focused product. So we're going after, and our clients are people who have expressed specific interest in wanting to reach out and serve um, the U.S. Hispanic market. How, other than language, how is this segment of the market different? Obviously, there are some things that characterize the market outside of language, or are there? Uh, no, absolutely there are. There are a couple of interesting things to think about, many of which are extremely intuitive. But from a commonality standpoint, if somebody speaks Spanish as a preferred language, in almost all circumstances, they have a couple of things in common. Uh, one is that they are no more than one generation away from another country, which means they have international experience. Chances are they have relatives that are living somewhere outside of the U.S., um, which opens up a lot of interesting specific market products. You see a lot of uh, long-distance companies, for example, targeting Spanish in particular because a huge percentage of Spanish speakers in the U.S. continue to maintain familiar relationships with, you know, obviously with family or with friends that continue to be in their country of origin or in the country of origin of, of their parents or grandparents. Uh, so that's a very unique 
market, not that the general market doesn't reach out, doesn't use long distance, but that's a market that disproportionately uses long distance. Um, there also are other interesting market traits. There is a perception that we have, you know, that's partially true and partially not, that the Hispanic market really doesn't have access to electronic payment, meaning credit cards or debit cards. What we've seen over the last couple of years is that the percentage of inbound callers who are Spanish speakers who do not have credit or debit cards has gone down by dramatic numbers every year. And there are a couple of things that, that can explain that. One is that banks, particularly in Hispanic population centers, have spent significant time and money in educating recent immigrants and Spanish speakers in particular about the banking system, about access to, to credit cards, opening up banking and checking accounts. But what we've also seen is an increase in non-traditional electronic payment mechanisms. Uh, Ten years ago, even, the concept of a prepaid MasterCard-branded debit card, uh, to my knowledge, didn't exist. Today, it's incredibly common. So at every 7-Eleven or in every bodega in, in, in New York or Los Angeles, you can walk in and leave with a piece of plastic with a credit with, with a MasterCard-branded product that is a pay-as-you-go card. What that opens up is the opportunity for a new population to make purchases uh, by telephone, by catalog, by direct mail, or online, uh, which are markets that were previously closed to them without a credit card. So as an example, in 2000 and let's say the second half of 2004, early 2005, uh, roughly 40% of inbound callers looking to make a purchase driven by direct response advertising on TV uh, did not have a credit card. In 2005, by the end of 05, that number was down to around 32, 33%. Still a large number, but a marked uh, reduction in the percentage of people who immediately cited no payment mechanism as kind of a non-starter for making a for making a purchase. What other characteristics have you noticed? Do the calls take longer, for example? The, call, the calls do take slightly longer, and we've seen a uh, probably on an average basis, probably taking a, maybe 12 to 15 percent longer, which is not not an insignificant point from a financial standpoint. But there are a couple of other kind of unique things about the market. For people that are buying media on a cost per thousand basis, Hispanic advertising, Spanish language advertising, continues to be a relative bargain. So typically the acquisition cost, when factoring in media costs or direct mail costs, combined with call center costs, are, uh, are still comparable, if not less, in the Hispanic market than they are in the general market. We also have seen a, a comparatively higher response rate, both from inbound and outbound telemarketing, because the market is still relatively unsaturated. So what we've seen in specific metropolitan areas are specific merchants, for example, an automotive brand or a specific local car dealer that has gone out of their way to make overtures to the U.S. Hispanic market that has that has really succeeded in word-of-mouth advertising and in solidifying a solid local base. So what we're seeing time and time again is that people that make the early investment, people that are willing to reach out to that community early on are being rewarded time and time and time again through long, loyal relationships. 
Bill, thank you for joining us. And to our audience, thank you for listening to today's interview with Bill Colton of Global Telesourcing, LLC, brought to you by Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicNPR.com, providing you essential information on America's largest minority.